We are, um, we're holding in Malachim, Malachim Aleph, Perek Yud Beis, chapter 12, um, at the beginning of Perek Yud Beis. And we're holding really at a very, very significant junction, uh, not only here in the Navi, but in the history of Klal Yisrael. Um, not, a, not a happy story, but a very important story in the history of the Jewish people. And this is where the Malchus of the Jewish people is going to be divided. And really, in, for most purposes, from this point on, we were like two nations in Eretz Yisrael, two different kings and two nations. And this is a situation that never was resolved. In history, it was never resolved. Um, because, as we're going to see a few hundred years down the road, that the, as, as I said, Klal Yisrael is going to divide into the ten Shvatim versus the two Shvatim. And a few hundred years later, the ten Shvatim are just going to be exiled from Eretz Yisrael, the Golos Aseris Shvatim, the exile of the ten tribes, which again is something that never will be resolved until Mashiach will come. And this happens right here at the beginning of this parak. So, a little background. Um, we've learned, you know, really we started our learning when we started, what, a year and a half ago or more. Um, so we've learned the story of the Jewish people from, from when they came into Eretz Yisrael. They came with Yeshua. And for a couple of hundred years, actually I think it's two and a half years already that we're working on this. So for a couple of hundred years, a couple of hundred years, the, uh, the, you had the, the Tkufa of the Shoftim, the judges. And then we have the Tkufa of the Malachim, the kings, the beginning of the kings. So the first king of the Jewish people was Shaul HaMelech. Um, and Shaul HaMelech ruled over all the Jewish people. That was Shaul. The second king of the Jewish people was David HaMelech the son-in-law of Shaul, and David HaMelech also ruled over all the Jewish people. And the third king of the Jewish people was Shlomo HaMelech, David's son, who also ruled over all the Jewish people. Those were the three only kings that ruled over all the Jewish people. Shaul, uh, Shaul ultimately loses his Malchus to Shlema because of the story of Amalek. Um, I'm sorry, Shaul loses his Malchus to David. And then you have David, and then you have Shlomo HaMelech, and Shlomo built the first base of Mikdash. But we already learned last week that Shlomo HaMelech, in the end of his life, um, so to speak, fell out of Hashem's graces. Um, he sinned. We talked about the fact, according to the simple reading of the Navi, Shlomo HaMelech actually served idols. But Chazal explained to us he didn't serve idols, but he had pagan wives. Shlomo HaMelech had many wives, and many of them were pagan. Although they converted initially in order to get married, but that conversion wasn't, wasn't really a truthful one. And therefore, many of them went back to their ways of idolatry. And because Shleim HaMelech did not protest that, or didn't protest that enough, so therefore the idolatry was attributed to him. So much so that Hashem uh, tells him through a Navi that he's going to lose the Melucha. That now he's the, he's the Melech, the, uh, the monarch, the ruler over all of Klal Yisrael, but that it will be lost to his family. And they'll only be left with one shevet, which really, as we explained, is two shvatim. The shevet of Yehuda and Binyamin. Binyamin. And that ten shvatim would go to someone else. And who was that someone else? That someone else is going to be someone named Yeravam ben Nevat, who already began rebelling against Shlomo Amalek during his lifetime, as we discussed already in the past. So Hashem tells Shlomo that he's going to lose the Malchus, he's going to lose the, um, the fact that he's the king over all of Kali Yisrael, However, it's not going to be in your lifetime, says, says Hashem to Shlomo. It's going to be in the lifetime of your son. And that's where this parak begins. Um, in the very end of last parak, Shlomo Melech passed away. Uh, the last psukim that we learned together last week, Shlomo Melech passes away. He's buried with his father, David. 
um, or in the city of David. And the last uh, psukhi, the last words that we read is Vayimloch Rechavam Benotachtav. After Shlomo Melech passes away, his son Rechavam uh, becomes uh, his, is his successor. You know the halacha is in Torah when it comes to kings, when it comes to uh, um, rulership, that it goes automatically to a son. So when Shlomo passes away, the automatic um, ear, the automatic successor is going to be Rechavam. And that's where our Perik opens up, the very beginning of the reign of Rechavam, son of Shlomo. Um, it, it gets confusing because there's the two most important names to remember now is Rechavam versus Yeravam. The names are not that different. So Yeravam was the one who had rebelled against Shlomo. And not only rebelled, in last parak we already learned that that Yeravam was promised by Achia Hashiloni, who was a Navi of Hashem, that he was going to be a king. So he wasn't just Stam rebelling, he knew by prophecy that he w- was going to be a king. Um, and at this point, he's actually a tzaddik. Yeravam ben Nevat is one of those people in history who starts out as a tzaddik and turns out to be one of the worst Rishoyim in history, as we're going to see. Um, so, just one more point from last parak. When Yeravam started rebelling, Shlomo wanted to have him caught and put to death, and Yeravam had run away to Mitzrayim, to Egypt, under the king Shishak, who was then the king in Mitzrayim. So this, this parak opens up, this era opens up. Shlomo has just passed away. His son Rechavam is assumed to be the heir, the successor, and Yeravam, the rebel, is in Mitzrayim. And that's where this parak opens up. So, parak Yudbeis. Vayelech Rechavam Shechem. Rechavam traveled to Shechem because the Jewish people had come to Shechem in order to accept Rechavam or to crown Rechavam as the new king. That itself is an interesting thing. Why did they go to Shechem? After all, the uh, Malchus was based in Yerushalayim. And the reason they went to Shechem is because the Jewish people wanted Yeravam. I'm sorry, now I'm, now I'm being confusing. The Jewish people wanted Rechavam to come to Shechem because they had some serious business they wanted to discuss with him, as we'll see soon. Even though they were, they were ready to anoint him as a new king, but they wanted to make some conditions with him, as we're going to read. And therefore, they didn't want to have him in the capital, surrounded by his uh, guards or his army or everything. They wanted to have him come to them. And therefore, he went to Shechem. And interestingly, Chazal say, Shechem is a place where bad things have happened to the Jewish people. Um, a number of the worst things happened in Shechem. Um, going in Chumash, Shechem is the place where um, Yaakov's daughter Dina was assaulted, was was uh, was raped in Shechem. Shechem is the place that Yosef was sold into slavery by his brothers. And now Shechem is going to be the place where the Klal Yisrael is going to split into two kingdoms. So historically, for reasons that, I don't know if it says, Shechem had negative... Uh, Connotation for very important historical stories in Klal Yisrael, and here's one of those stories. So, Rechavam heads to Shechem in order to be crowned as king. In Pasuk Beis, we learn that Yeravam, the rebel who's in Mitzrayim, hears that Rechavam is going to Shechem to be crowned, and he is called by the Jewish people to come there as well. And he's seen as the He's seen as the, the only one who is able to stand up, so to speak, against the Malchus of Beis David. So the Jewish people bring Yeravam there. Okay, so now Yeravam is there, the Jewish people are there, and they come to Rechavam. And again, Rechavam now is, ex- is expecting to be crowned as the next king of the Jewish people after his father Shlomo. And the people come and they say, listen, your father Shlomo was tough with us. 
He says, especially as he got older, the needs of the palace were tremendously great. And he was very, very demanding as far as taxes and as far as the uh, different demands that he had from the Jewish people in order to support him and his families, his wives and his palaces. And therefore, we're asking of you that you should be an easy... We're willing to crown you as king, they told Rechava. But we're asking that you be easier than your father. You be an easier king on us than your father, Shlomo HaMelech. That was their request of Rechavam before crowning him. Pasuk says, Rechavam tells them, it's an interesting, I hear your request, give me three days and I will get back to you with my response to your request. <clears throat> Pasuk says, Rechavam called in the Zekinim, the elders, the elderly advisors. And he told them, you know, the ones who were the advisors of Shlomo Melech, of his father. And they said, he told them what the nation, what the people had said. They said they're willing to crown him, but they're asking that he be an easier king on them. And the advisors, the elderly advisors, the, the wise, the sage advisors told him, definitely do what they're asking. He says, if you will humble yourself before them today, and tell them that you'll be an easier king than them, or humble king, then ultimately they'll be your servants, they'll accept you as ruler. And that's what they told him. And Rechavam wasn't happy with that advice. So instead he turned to his friends. Now, the first one, the Pasuk says, are the Zekinim, the elderly advisors. Now he turned to the young people. He says, Esayuladim asher godlu ito. The, the children, the children who grew up with him, they weren't literally children. Uh, Rechavam was already a man of 40 years old. But the young guys, not, not the advisors, not the ones with experience. And he asks them, he says, this is what the Jewish people are asking me, what should I do? And his friends say, no way. He says, tell them that you're going to be even a stronger ruler than your father. Tell them that if they think that they're going to get an easy way out, to, to the contrary, you're going to be a king, you're going to be a boss. You know, show them what you're made of. Don't be weak. Don't be fickle. And comes three days, and Rechavam listened to his friends, not to the elderly advisors. He listened, in the words of the Pasuk, to the Yeladim, and not to the Zkenim. Not to the elders, but to the young guys who wanted to show their, their power, their strength. They were advising him to show his power and strength. And it's at that time, and now, now the truth is, logically, he should have listened to the advisors. Why didn't he listen to the elderly advisors, the wise advisors? The Pasuk says, because as has happened so many times in the story, it's really playing out Hashem's will. We know that Hashem had already told Shlomo Melech that the kingdom was going to be divided. And Hashem had already told, Achia Shiloni had already told Yeravam that he's going to be the new king. So Yeravam really was falling into a trap. And he was making wrong decisions because that's what was meant to be. The Malchus was supposed to be split up at this point. And that's what the Pasuk says in Pasuk Tezvav. He says that the um, that Yeravam didn't listen. And this is all because there was a Siba Mi'im Hashem, because Hashem had a will. Hashem wanted at this point, as Achia Shiloni had already said, Yeravam was going to be the king, and the kingdom was going to be divided. So therefore, you're... Silverberg, yes. You, meant, you mean Rechavam didn't listen? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, just making sure that you're listening, right? But uh, Rechavam did not listen to the Zekenim, instead he listened to the Yeladim, and the Jewish people categorically did not accept him as king. When, he, when the Jewish people heard his response, they said, they said, no, Mal and Pasuk Tazayin, Malan Uchiluk B'David, we don't need David, we don't need Ben Yishai, we don't need the whole house of David, we're going to go back to our own, to our own towns, our own cities, and we'll have, we, we're, not, we're not accepting you as our melech. 
And that's what happens. The Klal Yisrael disperses, and they, they very categorically denounce and say, we're not accepting Rechavam. And the only people who did accept Rechavam was his people, his own tribe, the, the Shevet of Yehuda. Um, and along with the Shevet of Yehuda comes the Shevet of Binyamin. Binyamin and Yehuda have a strong relationship all the way back, but I mean, we know that uh, all the way back in Chumash, it was Yehuda who stood up for Binyamin, right? He's the one who approached Yosef and Pari to save his brother Binyamin. In Eretz Yisrael, Yehuda and Binyamin lived together. Their portions in Eretz Yisrael were together. Uh, Binyamin was in the area of Yerushalayim. Um, the Beis Hamikdash was always under the control of Yehuda. So Yehuda and Binyamin go together. They're the only ones who accept Rechavah. Um, Chazal, from this story, talk about the importance of listening for advice to elders. Um, and sometimes we're, uh, we think the younger people, they're, you know, they're, they have what to say a lot. And Chazal say over here, the Gemara says that even if the elders tell you to destroy and the younger people tell you to build, listen to the elders and destroy. Chazal say the destruction that comes from the advice of elders is building. And the building that comes from the advice of the inexperience is really destruction. And it learns it from this story of how Rechavam is, uh, is, is very much uh, criticized for not accepting the, the advice of the wise elders and instead going with the young people who ultimately cost him his kingdom. The Pasuk goes on in Pasuk Yudchas to say that Rechavam at this point sees that all is lost. He sees he made a terrible mistake. He just lost ten tribes. He lost the vast majority of the Jewish people. So he wants to, he wants to quickly rectify his, his, his behavior and he sends one of his servants, his, his name is Adoram, and he was one of the primary tax collectors, it says, and he sends him out to the Jewish people, maybe do, you know, do something, you know, talk to them. Do a, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's get back into the graces of the people. But at this point, the people are so incensed that not only they don't listen to this Ador, Adoram, they stone him and he is killed. And at this point, Rechavam recognizes that he is in mortal danger because the Jewish people are not just not going to crown him, they're incensed, they're angry. And it says that uh, Rechavam really gets onto his chariot and is able to escape from Shechem and heads back into to Yerushalayim where that's going to be his territory. Yerushalayim with the people of Yehuda and Binyamin and that's where Rechavam is. And the Pasuk says a very interesting Pasuk, a very powerful Pasuk in Pasuk Yutas, that the Jewish people now, the majority of the Jewish people, they rebelled in the house of David ad hayom hazeh until this very day. Whenever the Tanakh says ad hayom hazeh, it means basically forever. It hasn't been, it has never been rectified. And that's what I, I mentioned earlier, that it's at this point that Kalal Yisrael splits into really two sections and two nations, two nations that are going to war against each other many times, until the ten tribes are exiled, and really that's the end of the story. Um, famously, there's the big discussion about what's going to happen with the ten tribes, and where are they, and there's different shitas, and I'm not giving now a share on the ten tribes, but um, Ramban writes very strongly that when Mashiach will come, is when the ten tribes will return from wherever they are, however they are, and that's when Kal Yisrael will again be one nation under one king from the house of David, as promised to David. David, but it was only twice. It was only for the first three kings that we had one king over the, over the Kal Yisrael, and that finished at this point forever, uh, forever until Mashiach comes. Pasuk Chaf. At this point, now the Jewish people, again the majority of the Jewish people, the ten nations have left the Malchus of Beis David and the king Rechavam and now they want to appoint for themselves a king and they hear that Yeravam has come back from Mitzrayim right, Yeravam was hiding out in Mitzrayim now he's back, the Jewish people came Vayamlichu also, I'll call Yisrael and they, they, uh, they crown him as the king of the majority of the Jewish people aside from the tribe of Yehuda slash Binyamin 
And, and that's, that's the story. Now we have two kingdoms. So, and I, it's important to point out, although we're going to see very shortly how this, this story is just going to go downhill. There's going to be a tremendous amount of idolatry, a tremendous amount of Avedizara, especially amongst the ten tribes, but even in the two tribes, as we'll see. But not yet. At this point, at this point, both Rechavam and Yeravam are tzaddikim. They're servants of Hashem, just on two very uh, opposing sides of the story. So at this point, Rechavam is obviously very, very angry. He sees how the Malchus really was just taken away from him. In his mind, he was rightfully supposed to be the king over 12 tribes, and he just lost 10 tribes. So he, the first thing he thinks is he's going to go to battle. He's going to go to battle and, and take the Malchus back, take the Malucha back by force. And the Pasuk says, um, the Pasuk Chafalef, that he gathered a tremendous army. Rechavam and Yerushalayim gathered an army from the house of you, from the shepherd of Yehuda and Benjamin, 180,000 uh, soldiers to go to war with the other 10 tribes to return the Malucha. Now it's interesting, obviously they would be very, very outnumbered. We're talking about two tribes to 10. But Rechavam felt that the, that the, um, the justice is on his side. He is the Yorish of the kingdom. His father was the king and he should be the next king. But here we have an interesting thing, a Pasuk Chavbez, that a Navi comes, and this is a Navi named Shmaya. We don't know much about this Navi. But Vahidvar Elohim al Shmaya, Isha Elohim, the word of Hashem came to Shmaya, the man of God, to say, is go to Rechavam, son of Shlomo, the king of Yehuda, and tell him he should not go to war. He says, Do not go to war against your brethren. Everyone should go back to their homes, because this comes from me, says Hashem. The fact that the Malucha is divided, it's not something that just happened. It's not that uh, Yeravim was just being rebellious. This is Hashem's will. And therefore, Shmaya Hanavi tells Rechavam to disband his army, go back home. This is the way it's going to be. And that's not what happens. That's exactly what happens. Uh, Rechavim listens. Because as I said, Rechavim gets, gets a message here from the Navi that that's what he's supposed to do. Rechavim at this point is following Hashem's orders. He understands this is what he's supposed to do and this is what he does. So now it's already, now the story is sort of cemented. We have two kingdoms led by Rechavam in Yerushalayim and that's Yehuda and Benjamin and Yeravam in the rest of Israel or, or I don't know, there's some other cities but with, around Yerushalayim but in the majority of Israel, uh, the northern part definitely and that's led by Yeravam. Rabbi Silverberg, I just have two questions. One is, this, does um, Yeravam have a, a place, a, a station? Like, Rechavam is in Yerushalayim. Does Yeravam have like a palace or a Shechem. 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 Yes. 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 Yeravam comes from the Shevet of Ephraim. Ephraim is from Yosef, obviously, and Yosef is buried in Shechem. Um, so, so Yeravam is going to be headquartered in Shechem. Yes. And then the other thing is, you know how the, the 12 Shvatim were exiled? Do, is, it, is it right to say that we all come from Sheva Yehuda? No. Like, how does that work? Right, right, good question. The answer is, um, the, majo- the majority of Yeravam's kingdom was Yehuda and Binyamin. And we'll see also many of the Kohanim and Levim. But there was also a mixture of other tribes with them. It was, it was never like 100%. There was always some... Uh, uh, assimilation, if you will, between the different tribes, and therefore ultimately there is parts of every tribe within ourselves as well. Although it would be logical to assume that there's maybe a larger percentage of Yehudim Binyamin than other Shvatim amongst us. But then again, this, you know, a few thousand years, but now things have made, could shift in a lot of ways. But yeah, we come primarily from the two tribes, and Levi, and Shevet Levi, who's not considered as one of the twelve really, as we'll see. 
Okay, now starts the downfall of the ten tribes. Downfall in Ruchnius, I'm talking about spiritually speaking. And now we're going to learn about something that's it's almost hard for us to relate to. Um, there, there's, there's going to be an, a very swift movement towards idolatry. And more than anyone else, the one who is going to be at fault is Yeravam himself. Yeravam, who according to all accounts in the Gemara and, the, and in the commentators, was a tremendous Talmud Chacham. And he was the one who was appointed to be king by Achia Shiloni. He was a Navi. Yeravam is going to bring the Jewish people to idolatry. And for one reason. And that reason is, it's one word, ego. This Yeravam, who was a great man, and initially was a very spiritual man, also had a, had a terrible ego. And he had a very interesting problem. His problem was like this. His problem was that he knew he's the king of the ten tribes, and that's fine. Nobody's going to really, um, that's a fact. He's accepted, and he's made by a Navi, and Hashem's behind him. However, what's going to happen is it's going to become Yom to three times a year. There's a mitzvah to go, to go to Yerushalayim. And they'll come to Yerushalayim, they'll come to the Beis HaMikdash. And who's the king there in Yerushalayim? Rechavah. And not only that, halachically, it's only a king that's from Malchus Beis David that's allowed to sit in the Beis HaMikdash. So Yerachavam is going to sit on a throne as a king, and Yeravam, the king of the ten tribes, is going to be a commoner. Furthermore, will come Hakil, we know the year after Shemitah is the year of Hakil, and the Melech in Yerushalayim, the Beis Amikdash, reads the Torah for all the Jewish nation. Who's going to read the Torah? It's going to be Rechavam, the king in Yerushalayim. And this is something that Yeravam couldn't handle. Yeravam sees himself as a king, and he is a king. And he couldn't handle the thought that his subjects, the ten tribes, are going to go to the Beis Amikdash, and they're going to see the other king. And they're going to see the other king in his glory acting as king, and he, who is the king of his subjects, is just going to be standing there. This bothered Yeravam so much that he this that what he came up with was that he made for the Jewish people. He knew we have, uh, if we think about Avedizara in our history, our most famous Avedizara was last week's Parsha. We have the Egel Hazov. It says, Yeravam created two Egels. Two calves of gold, two golden calves. And he put them in two places in Eretz Yisrael. And he said, from now on, all of my subjects, all the ten tribes, we're not going to the Beis HaMikdash anymore. We're going to go to these Egel Hazavs. There we're going to build altars, and there we're going to be bring our, our Karbanas to Hashem. Initially, he called it still Karbanas to Hashem, but through the Egel, the Egel is some type of a, you know intermediary. And ultimately, he brought... Um, Avidazara to the entire Jewish people because this became the law of the land that from now on comes Yom Tev, we're not going to Yerushalayim we're not going to the Beis HaMikdash we're going to the Egel Azovs he placed one in the tribe of in the area of the Don and one in, in Beis El and in those two places he had his big Avidazaras and big altars and that became the central place of service for the ten tribes these Egel Azovs lasted for hundreds of years on those roads throughout the entire time of Malchus, Beis Yisrael, of the Ten Tribes, there was those Egel Azovs. To be sure, there was always some Jewish people that managed to get around it and go to Yerushalayim, but the vast majority, that's where they did, did their Avedah, and that Avedah very uh, very quickly became idol worship. And that's what the Psukim tell us in Chavav, Chavzayin, Chavches. 
um, he creates these things and he says, tells the people that you don't have to go to Yerushalayim anymore. And he uses the same words that the Jewish people used by the Egel Azov, again, Parshas Kisisa, this is where the Shechina is, Asher Luchem Eretz Yisrael, who took you out of Mitzrayim. He put one in Beis El, he put another in Don. And he says, this was a chatas, this was a sin for the entire nation. And the Jewish people in his, his tribes, the ten tribes, followed it and fell for it primarily. It says he made, he made, big, he made a number of altars in these places. Another thing he did was, uh, interestingly, Shevet Levi. Normally, who would be the one that bring the Karbanas? Shevet Levi. But he knew, rightfully so, that Shevet Levi would not fall for this. Because Shevet Levi historically was never Eved Avedazara. Even by the Egel Hazov, as we learned in last week's Parsha, it was Shevet Levi that did not do Avedazara. So therefore, Yeravam had no problem. He circumvented it. He says, from now on, my and am I not the Levim? And he had other people, some people, bringing the Karbanas. And Taki, this is the reason that, that uh, it seems that most of Shevet Levi went over to Yerushalayim. And they, they joined Yehuda and Binyamin. Uh, now, he went another step. The Apostle says, he went step by step. The, the other thing is, he wanted to totally change everything. And he's, he's, he's going to run this thing. He made a new Yom Tov. So instead of till now he had Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, he created his own Yom Tov. When was it? It says a month after Sukkot. The 15th of Cheshvan. He made his big day of service. That was his big Yom Tov. It's interesting. The Torah says that to the, the three Yom Tov, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, have to do with, uh, you know, the, it has a lot to do with the crops. When you finish the crops in the end, the, the final uh, Shavuos, uh, Sukkot is called Chag Osif, when we gather the crops to our house. Yeravim said, but, but still, it's not, the crops are not totally brought home until Cheshvan. And therefore, he created a new Yom Tov, as it says in Pasuk Lamed Beis, in the eighth month, which is Cheshvan, uh, on the 15th day. And that became the big day. And he would go to the Mizbeach and he would perform. Um, and this was the actions of Yeravam that began not long after he became the king of the Ketan tribes. And very quickly, Klal Yisrael was, um, the, the majority of Klal Yisrael, at least the ten tribes at this point, are moving towards full-scale idolatry. And that's the end of Perik Yud Beis, the Perik of the split of Klal Yisrael. And now we learn not only about the split, but also the descent of the ten tribes into Avedizar. Perik Yud Gimel continues. And it says there was one time it was such a, Perik Yud Gimel is a very fascinating story, that one time it was during such a Avedah of Avedizar, when, when um, Yeravan ben Nevot was presiding over the Avedizar in, by the, um, by the Mizbeach that he had made in Beis El. And Yeravim himself, the king himself, is standing in the Mizbech with the Ktairas, with the incense he's bringing out the Mizbech. And it says, Ishalikim bami Yehuda, a man of God came from Yehuda, a Navi. The, the Pasuk doesn't say who the Navi was. Chazal say this was a Navi, his name was Ido. Ido Hanavi. He was, the, he was one of the Nevi'im at this time. And he comes, and the king Yeravim is standing by the Mizbech, and the Navi appears, and the Navi starts saying Nevuah. And he says, he says, Mizbeach, Mizbeach. He addresses the Mizbeach, this, this idolatrous Mizbeach. He says, Koyamar Hashem. This is what Hashem said. There will be a son born to the house of David, Yoshiyahu. He'll be the king Yoshiyahu. He's, he's a king that's going to live maybe a hundred years later, or maybe more, many years later. And he is going to bring on this Mizbeach the remains of all of the Egdavid Azar. 
as now this Mizbeach is used to sacrifice animals to Avedizara. Ultimately, the Oiv the Avedizara themselves will be sacrificed on the Mizbeach, and that's not what happens later. Yeshio, in order to bring Klal Yisrael to Kapara, to Tshuva, he takes the bones, the, the remains of the Oiv the Avedizara, and, 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 um, and, and burns them on that Mizbeach. And he says that and, and, um, this, this Navi, Ida Navi says, talks about, he says, all of the Avedizara are ultimately going to be destroyed. And he says, so people start saying, who says what you're saying is true? He says, Hashem will show you a, a miracle right now to prove what I'm saying is true. That as I'm speaking my nevuah, this Mizbeach is going to split in half. And all of the uh, ashes and everything is just going to, is going to fall off the Mizbeach. Which is indeed what happened. Immediately, there was uh, some type of an earthquake or something. And the entire Mizbeach split in half. You know, he said this nevuah loud, everyone's listening. And of course, the king is there as well. Yeravam ben Nevat. Basik says, as Yeravam ben Avat heard the words of this man of Hashem, so he sticks out his hand and he says, grab him. He tells the soldiers, go grab that person. Tifsuhu, grab him. But as the Melech sticks out his hand, his hand immediately dries up, becomes paralyzed. And it's stuck. He can't move his hand. He can't bring his hand back to him. This is the king Yeravam. And it's at this point that the Mizbeach splits in half. The, the ashes uh, fall all over the place. Just as the Isha Likim said, now everyone sees the king is standing there, his hand is stretched out, it's frozen in place. The, uh, the king, Yeravam, turns to the Isha Likim, to the Novi, and he says, please daven to Hashem, using the words daven to your God. That's how he uses. And he says, let him, and, and, and daven for me that my hand should be cured. And the Novi turns to Hashem and he davens, and, and Yeravam is able to return his hand to himself. Everyone sees what's going on. This Navi, you know, embarrassed everyone. He, uh, he stopped Avedizar in the middle. The king is sort of taken. He asks the Navi, come, come to my home. Uh, why don't you come um, have a su'uda with me? The Navi says, no. He says, I can't come with you even if you'll give me half of the value of your home. I can't come to eat with you because Hashem told me to come say a nevuah here, not to eat, not to drink until I return back to my home. And therefore he turns, the Navi turns around and leaves. Pasa goes on to say, again, uh, a fascinating end to this story, that as the Isha Lekim, which again we know is Idoi Hanavi, Idoi, is returning, he passes by in a city in, near Beisail, and there was another Navi there. But that Navi who was in Beisail is what we called, one was the Navi Sheker. And that, in this time, when there were so many so many idolatrous people, there was also what were called the Nevi HaSheker, the false prophets, or they were called Nevi HaBal, the prophets of Avedazar. So in Beisail at the time, there was such a Navi, a Navi Sheker, an old man. And this Navi wasn't by this, he wasn't by the Mizbeach, he didn't see this whole story, but he hears the whole story that happened. His children come, and they tell him the story that uh, a Isha Lakim, a Navi came, and he, and he said that ultimately the David Azar will be destroyed, and the Mizbechus will be destroyed, and then the story with the king, and his hand dried up. They tell the, the, the children of the Navi Sheker tell him the whole story. So the Navi Sheker says, God, bring me to this man. I want to find this man. The Navi Sheker is looking for the Navi Emes, for the true Navi. And they, they, he brings his donkey, and he goes and he finds him. And he says, Ha'ato Isha Likim Asher Yehuda. Are you the man of God that came from Yehuda? Vayemer Ani, he says, yes, that's me. So the Navi Sheker, who, by the way, the Navi Sheker doesn't, doesn't carry a sign that he's a Navi Sheker. He looks like a Navi. He's, he looks like a Navi. He's, you know, a chash of a look and an old man with a long white beard probably. 
So this Navi Sheker tells the Isha Likim, come to my house, come to my home to eat with me. And the Isha Likim, Ido Hanavi, says, I can't. He says, no, Hashem told me that I should come here, I should say my nevuah, I should not eat, I should not drink, and then I should return. So the Navi Sheker looks at him and says, what do you mean? I'm also a Navi. He says, and a Malach came to me in the name of Hashem, and he said that, that I, should, I should invite you to my home to eat. So here, the, the, the true Navi, Idoi Hanavi, makes a terrible mistake, and he follows, he listens. And he shouldn't have, because Hashem told him a clear message. Hashem told him what to do, and he said, you should not eat and you should not drink. And now this Navi Shekhar told him a lie. He said that Hashem told me to tell you something. But if Hashem tells a person something, you can't listen to someone else who's, who, um, who's, uh, who negates what Hashem told him. But for whatever reason, Idoi falls for it. And Idoi Hanavi comes to the home of this Navi Shekhar, and they sit down to eat together. <clears throat> and while they're eating, so a nevuah comes forth from Hashem. And the nevuah tells Ido Hanavi that he, 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 uh, he rebelled, he didn't listen to Hashem. He had, express, he had an express uh, mitzvah, uh, a commandment of Hashem, a nevuah from Hashem, not to eat and not to drink and to return to his place. And here he didn't follow his own nevuah. And therefore he's told that he is not going to, that he's, he's going to die. And that even his body is not going to make it back to the kever of, of where he lives, back in Shevet Yehuda. And that was, the end of, that was a, a nevuah, a promise that he was going to be punished immediately. Pasuk says, they finished eating and drinking. He took a chamor, he took the donkey, and he left. As he left, he's attacked on the way by a lion who kills him. This is Ido Hanavi. And the lion kills him, but doesn't leave him. He's guarding him. In the, the people come outside and they see in the middle of the street, there's a, 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 the Ishel Akim is laying dead on the floor with a lion over him, and the donkey that he was riding is also standing there. Normally a lion kills a person, he would rip the person apart. Or at least he would kill it, he, he rip the donkey apart. No, the donkey was alive, and the person is dead, and the lion is guarding them. No one understood this. It's a very strange sight. And the, uh, this, you know, the rumor uh, made its ways around. And the Navi Shekhar hears about it. That there's someone in the city who's laying uh, on, the, on the, way in the, in the way out of town that's laying on the ground dead and there's a lion, there's a donkey. And the Navi Shekhar understands immediately what it is. That that was the Navi Emes. That really this Navi Shekhar had caused his death by lying to him and having him come to his home. So the Navi Shekhar goes there. And he says, bring, I want to bring this body back to me. And he brings the body back on his donkey and he brings it back to his home. And he tells his family. He says, we're going to bury, this is how you shall like him. We're going to bury him over here and we're going to, he eulogized him. And he tells his children, when I die, the Navi Shekhar says, I want you to bury me together next to this person. Because this man is truly a holy man. I'm not. And he said, and his nevuah that the holy man said that there will come a day when Hashem will destroy all the Yavid and that the bones of all the Yavid will be burnt. He says, that day, I, I'm afraid of that day. I'm a feeling if I'll be buried together with this tzaddik, I'll be saved. And that's what happens. And it's interesting, the Medrash Taka says that much later, 100 years later, in the time of Yeshio, that's not what happens. Yeshio comes, and he sees this one kever, and he says, who's buried here? They say, the Isha Likim and someone else. He says, leave it. So this, um, this Navi Sheker is uh, already saving himself now by having himself buried next to, next to the Isha Likim. They really died again on his account. 
I don't want to get into it, but there's a whole medrash about who this Navi Sheker was. Um, you might recall, a long time ago, we learned about a person named Micha. And Micha was a, uh, was a, he was a bad guy, he was Avid Zara, and he was able to get a guy from Shevet Levi, and the guy Shevet Levi was his coin for Zavid Zara. And that guy later went with Don, it's called with the Pesel Micha, something we learned about, I think it was in Yeshua still. Um, and according to Madrashim, that was really a grandson of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu had a son, Gershom. Gershom had a son who became a Nevid Avidazara, or at least uh, he acted like a Nevid Avidazara. And the Madrashim say, this is this Navi Sheker. This Navi Sheker that now is the one who's responsible for the death of Ido, and ultimately is buried with Ido. This is this Navi Sheker. This is the Madrashim say. Pasuk Lamed Gimel. The Pasuk says, even after all this, even after the whole story with the Navi Sheker, Yeravam did not return from his ways, did not do tshuva. Um, and Yeravam kept on, on uh, his way of leading the ten nations in idolatry. Um, and it was, a, it was a sin forever, the sin of Yeravam. Um, you might recall from Pirkei that Yeravam is the example of a person that was chata vehechati esarabim. When the Mishnah in Pirkei wants to talk about the example of a person who's not only sinful but causes um, the rabbim, causes the community to be, to be sinful, it's Yeravam. And Yeravam is one of, one of the very few people about whom it says that he doesn't have a chilek l'elam haba. Yeravam really led Klal Yisrael and mess into Avidah in an unprecedented way. That's the terrible story of Yeravam, who was the first king of the ten tribes. The Pasuk um, continues. Uh, let's, let's do one more parak. Parak Yudalit. The parak says that it was, as it, it was during this time that the son of Yeravam, his name was Avia, became ill. Avia, the son of Yeravam, became ill. So Yeravam wants a bracha for Avia. Where is he going to get a bracha? <laughs> who's going to give Yeravam a bracha? So Yeravam knows who's the Navi. Who's the Navi who, crowned, who anointed him? But the one who said he was going to be the king, that, that anointed is not the right word, but the Navi who gave, told him that he was going to be the king was Achia Hashiloni. So Yeravam wants to get a bracha, or to at least uh, find out what's going on, from a Navi Hashem, from Achia Hashiloni, what's with his son Avia? But Yeravam knows that he's not exactly going to be accepted by, by, by Achia Hashiloni. Achia is obviously a tzaddik, and is a Navi, and, and Yeravam is this famous Eved Avizara, idolatrous person. So what does he do? So Yeravam tells his wife, he says, I want you to disguise yourself. No one should know who you are. No one should know that you're the queen, that you're the wife of Yeravam. And I want you to go to Shiloh. That's where Achia Hanavi is living. And he's the one who told me that I would be the king. And bring to him, as you bring to Hanavi, bring bread and bring wine and bring honey. And ask what's going to be with our son. And that's what she does. The wife of Yeravam does this and she gets up and she disguises herself. She goes to Shiloh. She comes to the home of Achia. At this point, Achia Shiloni is very old and he's blind already. He cannot see anything. But Hashem comes to Achia Shiloni even before the wife of Yeravam comes to him. And Hashem comes to him in Pasikei and he says, the wife of Yeravam is coming to you shortly. And she's coming to ask about her son who is ill. And these are the words that you should tell her when she comes to you. So, she arrives in the home, and as soon as she walks through the doorway, Achia Hashiloni, as soon as he hears her, he says, Come in, wife of Yeravam. Why are you disguised? And I have for you a shlichus from Hashem, a difficult shlichus, a terrible um, nevuah from Hashem. Go and tell Yeravam, your husband, 
and say, this is what Hashem said. He says, I exalted you from amongst the nation. I made you a king over my people. I took the kingdom away from the base David and I gave it to you. But you did not act like my servant David, who kept my mitzvahs and went after me with all my heart. And you not just didn't do that, but you were worse than anyone who was before you. And you brought you went in yourself, you served idolatry, and you brought idolatry to Klal Yisrael to anger me, and me for of me you forgot about, says Hashem. And therefore, this is the Nevoah says, bad will come to your home, Yeravam. All of Yeravam's descendants are ultimately going to be killed. No one will be left from them. I will destroy the entire house of Yeravam totally. He says, those who, got, those who remain in the city will be eaten by the dogs. Those who are in the fields will be eaten by the birds of heaven. So Hashem has said. And now, the Navi concludes, he says, turn around, go back to your home. When you come into your home, you came to ask about your son Aviyah. When you come into your home, your son is going to die. And at that point, he will be eulogized by the Jewish people and he will be buried. But you should understand that's a bracha because he's the only one from your family that's going to be eulogized and buried. Everyone else is going to be killed on the battlefield or, or killed. And the reason he's going to be buried is because he did something good. And because of that goodness, he, he deserves to be rewarded that he should get a regular burial. What's the, what's, the, uh, what's the good thing that he did? The Pasuk doesn't say. But Chazal says, Rashi says, the Gemara says, that he was, this son of Yeravam, was one of the guards that his father put on the roads that go up to Yerushalayim, not to allow people to go up for the Shalosh Regalim, for Yom Tif. That was Yeravam's big thing, that the Yidin can't go to Yerushalayim. So this son, Aviyah, was one of those guards. Says the Gemara, but Aviyah didn't follow rules. He let people go to Yerushalayim. Not only that, according to one Shita, he himself went to Yerushalayim. So, although he wasn't a tzaddik, he was a son of Yeravam, and he's part of the, the uh, Yeravam's uh, you know, way of, of ruling uh, the Jewish people, but still, he had good sides to him, and he did, he made a kiddush Hashem at certain points, and that's why Hashem says, this son did a davar toiv, and therefore he'll die, and be buried properly, and be eulogized properly. But ultimately, and the, the Navi continues, he says that Hashem will have new kings on the Jewish people, and the house of Yeravam will be totally obliterated, um, and they'll all be like a uh, like a reed in the water thrown around from place to place, and ultimately all of the nation. And here's already where you have the prophecy about the that about the exile of the ten tribes. That all of your nation will be taken from the land from this good land of Eretz Yisrael that Hashem gave to your ancestors, ancestors, and Hashem will take you over the Nar, over the rivers, because they went after the Avidazaras and the Asherah trees, and and are angering Hashem. And it's all because of the sins of Yeravam. Asher Chata who sinned, Vasher Hechatias Yisrael, but brought sinfulness to Klal Yisrael as a whole. And the Pasuk says, and with this, Achia Ashiloni finishes prophecy. The wife of Yeravam stood up, she went back to her, to her home, um, and as soon as she came over the door, the, the, uh, it says the doorstep, Sotake Vanar Mace, the son died, that son Avia died, just as the Navi said that he would. And as it was said, the Klai Yisrael, they buried him and they eulogized him, just as Hashem said through the Navi. Pasik finishes and says that the rest of this life of Yeravam and the wars that he fought and his kingdom are all written on the books of history of the time. And Yeravam was a king for 22 years. And after 22 years, he passed away. Um, and his son, Nadav, succeeded him to be the next king of Beis Yisrael. Um, 
it's going to be hard to remember, uh, probably impossible to remember all the names of all the kings. We're going to see that there's going to be um, about 20 kings of, of Beis Yisrael and 20 kings of Beis uh, uh, David, or 21, I don't know, 21 or 20 of the two. And we're, we're going to be, as we go through the next Prakim of Navi, we're going to be going back and forth to the two kingdoms. What's going on in the Malchus of the two Shvatim and the Malchus of the ten Shvatim. So now we talked about Yeravam, who was the first Melech of the Malchi Beis Yisrael, of the Tanshvatim, and his death ultimately, and he is succeeded by his son Nadav, who is king number two of the Tanshvatim. But now the Pasuk in Chafalov takes us back to what's going on on the other side. What's going back, you know, going back to Rechavam, who's in Yerushalayim, who's the king of the two, of the two Shvatim, of, of Yehuda and Binyamin. So let's let's do this. And it's, it's still uh, the pasuk chaf aleph, and still a few more psukim in this parak. Going back to Rechavam. So the pasuk says Rechavam, son of Shlomo, he's the king in Yehuda. He was forty-one years old when he became king, and he's going to be a king for seventeen years. Rechavam in Yerushalayim, in the city that Hashem chose. Um, and then it says, "Who's Rechavam's mother?" Right? We all know that Rechavam is a son of Shlomo HaMelech. But who's the mother? After all, Shlomo HaMelech had many wives. So here the Pasuk tells us, Shem Imo, his mother, is Naama HaAmonis. Na- Naama. Um, Naama comes from the Amo, from, from Amon. Um, it's interesting, that way back when in Chumash, we have Lot has two daughters, and the two daughters both become pregnant from their father Lot, we know after the story in, uh, in Sodom. And one has a son, she names him Amon, and one is named Moab. Both Amon and Moab have a very, very important um, woman that come forth from them later in Jewish history. Right? Amon and Moab are not Jewish. But they both have a great-great-granddaughter who's going to convert and, and become a very um, uh, important role, play an important role for the Jewish people. Right? Moab has Rus. Of course, right? Rus was the great grandmother of David Amalek. Amon has Naama. Naama is Shlomo Amalek's wife, who gives birth to Shlomo's successor, Rechavam. And it says that this is very mentioned in Rashi and Chumash that Amon and Moab, both of them have this. The Gemara calls them two um, uh, two beautiful birds. The Gemara calls it. They pray the that are destined to come forth from Amon and Moab. And these are these two women, Rus and, and Nama. So this Nama, who's a wife of Shlomo Melech, is the mother of Rechavam. That's what the pasuk says over here in Chaf Aleph, that the mother of Rechavam is Nama. <coughs> Now the Pasuk says that in the time that just like in Yeravam's kingdom, at this point you have Avedizara, and Yeravam just went, went beyond anyone in Avedizara, but Avedizara also infiltrated at this point into Rechavam's kingdom by Yehuda and Binyamin, not on the level of, of the Asaras Hashvatim, not on the level of Yeravam. They still had the Beis HaMikdash, they went to the Beis HaMikdash, but there was a lot of uh, Avidizara and immorality going on. As the Pasuk says, Pasuk Chavez, Yehuda did bad in the eyes of Hashem, um, and they made Hashem very upset. And they also had Bamos, which is different types of uh, altars. Um, and on many of the mountaintops, there was altars, and, and different, and also Avidizaras. And in Pasuk of Dali, we learned that there was also immorality going on, adultery going on, like all of the terrible ways that there was in the nations that were earlier in Eretz Yisrael. 
So now really everyone is bad at this point. In other words, there's a lot of tremendous amount of idolatry going on on both sides of the, in both maluches. And therefore, as, as typically happens, that punishment is swift. It was in the fifth year, the Pasuk says, of, of, uh, of Rechavam's kingdom. Rechavam now is ruling over the two, nation, uh, the two tribes. In the fifth year, Shishak, the king of Mitzrayim, came up to battle against Yerushalayim. Uh, Shishak was the king of Mitzrayim at the time. And at this point, he, went to, he, he, he had a war against Yerushalayim. And the Pasuk doesn't tell us a lot about it, but the, the Midrashim and the Gemara tells us that Yerushalayim was really in, in, um, in danger of totally falling. But, uh, but Rechavam and the Tshuva, and therefore the, uh, the calamity was averted, and Shishak did not destroy Mitzrayim. But he did empty all the treasure houses of Mitzrayim. He took the Oitzreis Beis Hashem, the treasure houses that were in the Beis Hamikdash, the treasure houses that were in the king's palaces, everything. Shishak made them, he emptied everything. And you have to remember, we're talking about tremendous wealth that was still left over from Shlomo Malach's time. And all the gold that Shlomo Malach made, if you remember, we talked about that Shlomo Malach made golden um, um, shields. So all of that was taken by the king Shishak, taking the Mitzrayim at this point. So at this point, it says Rechavam had to replace whatever he had before made out of gold. Now he replaced it with copper, much more, much more inferior. He lost all the wealth of the kingdom of his father Shlomo Melech at this point, which was a punishment for their for their avidizar and immorality. And the pasuk concludes and says that the rest of the life story of Rechavam and all he did is written in the history of the time. The pasuk doesn't go into it, and it says that there was a there was constant war. There was constant uh, war between Rechavam and Yeravam all of their days. The two kingdoms of the ten tribes versus the two tribes. It, I don't know if it was an active war, but there was always there was cold war between them. And ultimately Rechavam passes away, um, and he's buried with his fathers in the city of David, um, and his mother uh, Nama, and he, and uh, after him, is the next king of the Jewish people is Aviam. Aviam is the second king that ruled over just of the two tribes, Rechavam being the first, and Aviam is the second. And this is how Perik Yudalit finishes. So at the end of Perik Yudalit, basically, we have the, the passing of the first king of both sides. Right? Yeravam passed away, and his, the next after him was his son Nadav, and Rechavam passed away and was succeeded by his son Aviam, um, and that's uh, that's where Yudalit finishes, and we'll stop. We'll finish there for now, and continue Bezras Hashem next week.